all unmerited divine favor. What a mighty God you are amongst your people, Lord Jesus. We stand here very humbled in your presence, Lord. As we begin to go toward the change of the service, the ministry of your word, Lord, I know that within myself that I have no capability in this. That if you, the lion of the tribe of Judah, does not step forth and declare yourself, Lord, it, this service will be a flop. But Lord, you have promised. And I can testify with all my heart, you keep your promises. You said where two or three would be gathered in my name, you said you'd be in our midst. We testify of that tonight. Our hearts declare it. Our hearts declare that you are here. Your word declares you are here. I pray, Father, as you take your bread of life and you feed us once again tonight, that, Lord, we would get a clearer understanding, a clearer view, more faith for the journey, more strength, more courage, more closer walk. We surrender all that we are to your presence, Lord, to your being, to whom you are. We fling wide every door to you tonight. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times we kept those doors shut. We thank you for having mercy on us, Lord, and not giving up on us. We adore you tonight, Lord. I pray you meet each need. I pray, Father, you meet each need. For your word sets the captives free. Your word still heals the sick. It still saves the lost. It still lifts up those that are down. And I pray, Lord, your word will do a marvelous work yet here again tonight. We love you and we appreciate you. And Lord Jesus, at the close of this service tonight, after having all that you're about to do, we will say, great are you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for ministering to your people here on a Wednesday night. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. Help us, we pray in your lovely name. Amen. 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 God bless you tonight. You appreciate the word of the Lord. Amen. While you're standing, I just want to read a few verses over the book of Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 14. Tonight will be part 20 in our study on the rapture. And our, our, our subtopic is still identified in him. It's identified in him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. <clears throat> he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have for us an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, Paul saying, that I'm telling you about that as I sit here weeping, writing this letter, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From hence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You may be seated tonight.
turn me down just a little bit, brother. Man, I feel like I'm blowing myself. And I apologize for the such bad sound distortion tonight. We've got a, a gentleman coming out to look at our air conditioning tomorrow. And so we'll see what happens there. I pray the Lord uh, gives him the, it still seems really loud. You still can't hear me? I turned that one down a long ways. Okay. It just seemed like everything is. So this gentleman will be out tomorrow to take a look at it. So again, the, the, the fans are necessary, but they really messed the sound up in the room. So I apologize for that. But as we, as we're looking back into this, of what God has for us. I, I love the songs that God had put on Aaron's heart tonight to sing. I, I love that fact that, again, growing up in a message church, that we would always sing the song, there's never been a day like this day. And as a young boy growing up, it didn't mean very much. I just thought, this is what it is. This is all you ever know. There's nothing. It just, you know, today's no different than yesterday. But the day that you're living in, I say this all the time, is not by coincidence. The fact that your birth date is the exact time that it was, was specifically designed by God that you would live in this day. Now, this day that you're living in is not meant to be a picnic. There's never been a greater battle fall in this day. There's never been more demonic oppression in this day. There's never been more against you than this day. But you can also say the positive of that. There's never been more for you than in this day. Because if the Bible would say that hell hath moved to meet him at his coming, you understand what that means, that hell hath moved to meet him at his coming. Obviously, those are sitting here and you, you love your Bible and you read your Bible, it's very easy through reading your Bible and the prophecy of the day to see what day it is outside. We're not living in another day. We're not living in Paul's day and Wesley's day or Martin's day in those days. You know that you're in the wrapping up of all time right before the tribulation. The Bible specifically tells this. I have people talk to me from time to time and, and talking about, Lord, if God could just fix this country, if they would just repent and come back and give their hearts to God. And, and I think that would be an amazing and a beautiful thing. I truly would. Anytime anyone repent would be a wonderful thing. Yet it can't be. There's been prophecy given saying what would happen. And I believe my prophet. I believe my prophet. Many other people don't think the one on the left is a prophet, but I believe he is. And I know what God is using to say. So all these things to identify the time that you're living in and to identify the day and to identify the oppression, to identify your enemy and all that's set against you, that he's fully set in battle array against you. That the day you wake up, whether it's 2 in the morning, 5 in the morning, 9 in the morning, all hell's against you. That the day you wake up, maybe your body feels sick. Maybe you're down in your spirit. All these different things, all hell is against you. But one of my most favorite scriptures says this. If God be for us, who could be against us? See, that to me, that's shouting material right there. If God is for me. Who can be against us? I, I, I say this all the time. I love how the Bible words things. And a lot of times it'll say something so deeply profound in just five or six words that will blow your socks right off. If God be for me. If, you know who's against you. You know who's against you. Isaiah talks about the weapon might be formed, but it won't prosper. It won't prosper because the creator made the smith, he made the coal, he made the fire, he made the air, he made everything. And he said, I'm telling you, it won't prosper. 
it won't prosper. So all these things, if there was such a black time, a, such a dismal day, you'll find all throughout the message, Brother Ram talking about there, that, that Isaiah 60 quote, gross darkness, gross darkness, gross darkness. But in that gross darkness, in the evening time, there would be a light. And what that light is, it's that same one that lit the sun all those years ago. It'd be that same spinoff, that logos, that same God that come, that eternal light before anything was. He always was. Now, the prophet tells you a lot about what God would do in your day. And I love that, that there's such comfort, there's such consolation, there's such a peace given that we understand through the Bible, through the message of our hour, that you're not to take this, this treasure and wrap it up in earthly vessels and just starve to death. You're not to take this and be sick the rest of your life. You're not to take this and be bound by demons the rest of your life. You're not to take this and be cast out by anything all the rest of your life. That is not what this message brings. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. And in our day, he has come. In our day. If he meant it then, you know he means it now. Because he said, he prepared for himself a bride without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. And she has made herself ready by saying, God, I surrender all that I am, Lord. Show me more tomorrow. Show me more the next day. I give all that I am to you. I open every door. I fling wide all that I am. Have your way. Have your way. So the promise of our day, that there's never been a day like this, the promise of our day is a body change, is a rapture, is a translation, is a, and I love, again, I hope I don't wear you out on this, how that the, 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 our prophet that was with a seventh grade education will talk about as God was building the body of Jesus. And he would talk about a hemoglobin and a blood cell. And he would take it and he would mix it and wrap it. And then he began to start building blood cell on top of blood cell, atom on top of atom, molecule on top of atom, a molecule until he built the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he is, so are we. In this body that you're in, being your mother having gained the nutrients of the earth and has grown your body in her womb, and then the day that you come forth from the womb and you started to eat yourself of this world, that is a part of that life. But the other part that I'm talking about, that supernatural part that was predestinated before the foundation of the world, which is the reason you can even take a rapture, that's what God's working on right now. That's what God's working on right now is the word comes forth. And we were talking about that today, me and dad, about <clears throat> as the word comes forth. And you, and I love the, the, um, how do I word that? How, how the God would, how God speaks. God will be, Jesus will be sitting there telling them all these different things, different things. And then they ask him about something. And then he just as random can be start out saying a sower went forth into the world to sow and behind him come an evil sower. Just as randomly and as simplistic as can be, but he's telling you, I'm the one that sold. And again, he's the same one that said that, that they won't be deceived. It'd be so close to the last day that they won't be deceived. So all the things that are for you in this hour, all the things that are before you. See, in the, this day that we're living in, a full out, full out assault has come out against this message and the messenger. Full out oppressed from TV show stations to newspapers, all these things trying to tear down what God used that man for. These things aren't surprising, but isn't it what might would surprise you is that your heart didn't give up. You've heard the things that you're saying. All it does is break your heart. It breaks your heart. It breaks you. You thought he might as well shoved a knife through your heart. 
You talk about him like that. God used that man. God spoke to that man. God ordained that man. God kept that man. And they want to say such things against him. Your heart doesn't want to say, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I should doubt. Maybe I should question. No, no, no. Heaven and earth will pass away. But I know God spoke to that man over and over and over and over and over. We were talking about this today. I think it was Monday was the anniversary of looking at the unseen. God took over his voice there in California, spoke through him. Your heart declares it. See, the thing about getting someone to believe something, you can tell someone something all day long. You can tell them this, you can tell them this, and they don't have to believe you. You can read the Bible to people all day long, frontwards and backwards, and a lot of them still won't believe you. But when that spirit inside of you identifies something, they cannot be taken away. And when your heart hears that voice change and it said, I have taken over his life, I have taken over his lips, I am the Lord, come down. Your heart ain't got to be convinced. You ain't got to be talked into it. None of those things like, no, that was God. That was, that was God. That was God. Here in this day, to make sure his wife makes it. Think about the beauty of that, to make sure you make it. All hell is against you, but he's for you. We talk about that there with Elijah at Dothan and, and all those armies come out to kill him. And he went through and he just, they just blinded their eyes. And all those angels were everywhere. They were everywhere, covering every hill, every mountaintop, every treetop, angels with chariots of fire everywhere. They were there to see what the Lord Jesus would do. Just to see what the Lord Jesus would do. I shared that with you that the brother had told about a, a battle there in Israel when I don't know who it was attacked on the Sabbath or something like that. And they were having marvelous success against Israel. Israel was down to the last one or two tanks and they still had all their tanks. <clears throat> and they're sitting there and they're about to completely wipe them out. And then all of a sudden they pack up everything and go home. They're winning. They're stopping them, beating them terribly, about to pack up everything and go home. And a few years later, nobody knew what happened. A few years later, they interviewed that general, whoever it was. And they said, what was the most random thing that ever happened? What was that for? He said, we're sitting there and we're fighting. And these angels start coming down the battlefield. That didn't stop us. But when that one come down, when that one come down, we go home now. We go home now. That's who's here. That's who's here. I want to read something to you from the message out of the rising of the sun. And this will tie in beautifully. We just celebrated the anniversary of the Easter of what God did all those years ago. This is paragraph 37 out of it's the rising of the sun, Charity. Now, comma, the sun, comma. Now the S-U-N at the rising of the sun. Well, there was a time when the world was laying in utter darkness. It was without form and it was void. and it was all covered with water and was laying there in the dark, dismal, gloomy atmosphere. Now, you've got to link this with Isaiah 60. Dark, gloomy, dismal. There'll come a day there's not day nor night, a complete blacking out upon the world, gross darkness upon the world. But for you, that new day is dawn. <clears throat> and you have the same type here in Genesis 1. He said, laying there in the dark, dismal, gloomy atmosphere, and the Spirit of God moved upon that water and said, let there be light. He says God had a reason to do that, for down beneath that water there were seeds that he had planted. He had planted. What a mighty God. 
and that it had to have that sunlight to make it live. Natural always types of spiritual. Had to have that sunlight to make it live. And the first light was ever given in the earth was God's spoken word. The first light that ever struck the earth was God's spoken word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. That turned darkness into light. Look at that transforming power or power of transformation. He turned darkness into light. You were once dark. You were once darkness, you were once service, you once set in darkness, but now you've been brought into the glorious light. That turned darkness into light in order to bring forth a creation of joy and life upon the earth. This is you I'm talking about. You're a part of earth, you're a pile of dirt. Joy and creation. Joy and creation. In um, the it's in the church age book. I'm not sure exactly which one it is. Brother Bram was saying these, quoting that scripture, because I live, ye live also. Brother Bram said he was speaking to his wife. Because I live, you live also. And I love that <laughs> you find all these types all through the Bible. And it's such a beautiful and passionate and powerful love letter. And it'll bring joy. You understand that if faith comes by hearing of the word, the thing about that is you basically say, I don't think he's lying to me. I think that he's true, and I believe that he's not a liar. Faith comes that way. That's not all that comes by hearing of the word. Joy comes to the word. Peace comes to the word. Life, creation, all those things come through his word. And it's not just the words on this page. These are the words of God. But it's the same thing of God to speak right now. When that seventh seal was open, seven thunders uttered their voices. That was the voice of God prophesying, speaking, this will be, this will be. And the thing about it is, again, seventh grade prophet, well, he's a prophet of seventh grade education, talking about one day they'll invent a device, a mechanical device, they'll be able to pick up the voice of Jesus off the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> he's telling you something. That the word is circling. The words that he spoke are certain. We've had the same thing with our own selves. That when you speak a word, it goes around and around and around and around and around the world. Never stopping. The only thing that can stop it is to repent. That's the only thing that can stop that word from going. And it snatches it out of the air and it drops it in the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's a creative power right there that it does that for you. But his words are constantly there. The Bible talks about the seven spirits of the Lord that his eyes are running to and fro upon the earth. He has planted the word of that seed into the earth, into your heart, into his scripture, into everywhere there is God, which God fills all time and space. Everywhere that it might be, your heart happens coincidentally to come along and sees it and believes it and is quickened by it. Just like this same sun just shining across your path. And you think about the most random testimonies you've heard in your life. We've heard of, of <laughs> people in um, uh, uh, prison camps and you know, having the opportunity to go clean the latrine and clean the toilet. And they'll find people that have taken spoken word books, ripped pages out and used them for toilet paper. People have taken Bibles, ripped pages out, used them for toilet paper. These people never saw the word, never heard the word. And the worst, the most unbelievable place they'd get it they would see it and believe you think the light the the the, the, the um just the, the the truth of pouring concrete on something all dirt on this planet has a seed laid in it 
All dirt is. You take and you pull that grass off right now and you put concrete on the top of it. There's still seed there. The prophet would tell you what that seed of God will do if it's got to crawl 10 miles to the edge of that concrete, it's going to come up. Because a sower went into the earth to sow the seed. And he said, I will not lose a one. I will not lose a one. Will not. <coughs> He said that turned darkness into light in order to bring forth a creation of joy and life upon the earth. Then the Spirit of God, as it moved with love and compassion, not with jealousy, not with anger, not with wrath, not with malice. It wasn't, I'm going to do this just to watch you struggle, just to watch you fall on your face, just to watch you get beat up by the mark of this world. Never was that. It was moved with love and compassion. Yes, in this world, you'll suffer persecution. Yes, you will. Yes, in this world, you'll be offended. Yes, in this world, you'll be hurt. But he said, fear not, for I am with you. Moved across it with love and compassion. At that great day, the first day, the first day of the dawn of creation upon the earth, the sun rose and swept across its rays. It dried up the waters from the earth. It made an atmosphere above. Made an atmosphere. Made an atmosphere. It's your job as amateur creators, as the prophet would say, to create an atmosphere. In your home, in the job, at your school, at Walmart, wherever it might be, to create an atmosphere. You might think, I don't know that I could create an atmosphere to cover all of Walmart. Let me, let me tighten this up for you a little bit. The actual the quote that Brother Bram says in Patmos Vision, he said that you're a creator, that you have the ability in you to create a private world, a whole other planet, and go live a private life on it. That's way bigger than a Walmart, way bigger than a high school, way bigger than the nursing home, wherever it might be. Way bigger. That same anointing and presence and atmosphere of who you've surrendered your life to and opened up every door of your heart to, that where you're now, when you speak, it's not you speaking, it's him speaking. An atmosphere. That's not just out there, though. Not for a believer. That's not just out there. Two or three are gathered together in here. You create an atmosphere. We have Wednesday nights. We have Wednesdays. We all each one work Wednesday. We, we have struggles during the week. That seem like to be the hardest service a lot of time is on a Wednesday night. Everything Satan's come against you all week long. You're tired. You're, you're, you're stressed out. All those things. But this right here is meant to be a reprieve from the fight. You come in here and you might have a, a brother or sister that's been struggling. You have others that are not struggling, that are, that are there to bear one another's burdens. And you come in here and that atmosphere is created. And it's not you doing it, it's him doing it. Ministering and rubbing that balm of Gilead over your life, over your spirit, over your heart. And when you walked in tired, worried, and down, now you've lift up. Straighten up the feeble knees. Lifted up the hands that hung down. Now I give him praise. I've been refreshed in that atmosphere. I've been refreshed in that presence. You're meant to live in that presence. We say that all the time. That's your kind of glory. It's not meant to be a twice a week kind of thing. It's not to be a once a year kind of thing. You're to live constantly in that presence. And that presence is what changes you from this vile body into a body just like his. 
He said, and for the first time, it was to bring joy and life to the earth by a seed. He said, that was a great hour. He said, that was a great hour. He said, but oh, it wasn't nothing, that sunrise, like the sunrise on that Easter morning. This time, when the sun leaping into the skies, it brought forth a greater sunrise than ever. Can you believe that tonight? It, you know, I, I've never heard of another other place besides our prophet talking about how the earth was, was begging God, don't do this on me. Don't die on me. Don't let this happen on me. Don't let your blood be shed on me. Yes, I need it, but please don't do it on me. It was marked by sin. It was cursed by sin. And then one day, the creator died to redeem it too. So can you imagine the sunrise on that first Easter morning? Can you imagine when it come up in its strength? And oh, now the sons of God, the stars are singing for joy and are shouting glory to God. Can you imagine the trees standing a little taller? Every flower standing a little taller. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I'm not marked with sin no more. I'm not cursed no more. Oh, what a sunrise. He said this time with the sun leaping in the skies, it brought forth a greater sunrise than ever because it came greater news with this sunrise than it did with the sunrise at the beginning. This sunrise brought a news that he is risen. He's quickened from the dead. As he's promised, he's risen from the dead. The first time the sun rose in Genesis, it was bringing a message that there'll be life upon the earth, mortal life. But this time, this time when the sun rose, there was a dual sun rising, another sun rising. It was not only the S-U-N rising, it was the S-O-N had risen to bring eternal life to all God's promised seed that by foreknowledge he had seen laying upon the earth. No more could the botany life live back there at the beginning without the S-U-N to bring it life. No more than today when sons of God is upon the earth. It takes the S-O-N life to bring them to eternal life. His chosen ones that he knew before the foundation of the world, he had chosen them in himself before the foundation of the world. Now here's where it links up with our rapture. Here's where it links up with our rapture. Because again, because he lives, you live also. And on Easter morning, then, in this dirt, somewhere, laid our bodies at that time, for we're dust of the earth. And in heaven, there was a book of memory. There was a book of memory that his attributes was in him, knowing that because this son of God raised, it would also raise to life every son that was foreordained to this great time. He knew it would be, and what a more glorious sunrise than it was at the beginning, at time when it first dawned. But hold on. Hold on, there's more. Redemption has two parts. Redemption has two parts. Calvary was not completed. It was not completed with just Calvary. The Redeemer went and took that blood to the mercy seat and saturated the mercy seat that the price was paid once and forever. And then there had to be a time 
There had to be a time where that word, that life, that seed could come to fruition, can come up and die out, can come up and die out in a very specific form of seven days, seven church ages to bring forth in your day, in your day, not coincidentally born, not happenstance, not just luck of the draw, but that you were born. And somehow, this amazing S-O-N light of God crossed your path. Coincidentally, many would say, but that was God calling his seed. That was God bringing you back into relation with him. That was that identification that you're like, I don't know him, but I know him. I, don't, I know him somehow. I don't know why, but I know him. I know the voice of my beloved, and a stranger's voice I will not follow. No one speaks like he speaks. No one speaks like he speaks. Amen. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 18. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Identified in him. Identified in him. No longer just Sam Parker. No longer just your name, but identified as Mrs. Mrs. Jesus Christ. You ever read, I used to like to read, I still like to read a lot, but I don't read the same books anymore. I'd come across this word a lot, and sometimes they would spell it differently. And you can spell it differently. You could spell it more of a slang than the actual uh, textbook abbreviation of it. And it would spell it like this. And it took me a while to understand that it's the same thing. M-I-S-S-U-S. M-I-S-S-U-S. And I asked you, have you met my missus? And so as a kid, I knew what M-S and M-R-S, all those things abbreviated, meant as far as being what that was. And M-S is a young woman, a young virgin, not yet married. And M-S is entered into a marriage covenant, a marriage vow. See, Anyone can be a MS, but it takes something very special to be a missus. And it's not just, um, hey, what are you doing later? Nothing along those sort. It's one of those things, just like Rebecca, what does she say? What does she accept? What does she believe? Will you take Eliezer, your prophet? Will you take Eliezer, the servant of the Lord? Or you fall to anything else? Her, his wife, his wife. Are you glad to know him that way tonight? Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. He is the head of the body, the church, who is then, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. My tablet's not wanting to link up through service tonight, but. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Again, I say this all the time. I love italization. I love that the Bible wants you to get caught by something, that it wants to grab your attention. Do not just keep booking along and, and reading along and not understand what the things meant. You're that thing. He might have preeminence in you, that he might have preeminence in you all of your life. See, when the woman gets married, it's not meant to be that she keeps her own name. It's not meant to be that way. It's meant to become his name. She is now 
the Mrs. Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not that she's a different person. It's not that she's, the. Uh, in a lot of ways, people twist things there. But it's, it's him in her, where no longer now it's not her that lives, it's he that lives in her. But it's still, your name's on the checkbook just as good as his. Just like your wife, your name on the checkbook just as good as his. <clears throat> that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father. Again, italization. The Father. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, we look at these with eyes of revelation. We look at these with eyes of understanding. We're not sitting here thinking, oh, that's great. Jesus' daddy thought he should marry a real nice woman and she should be this and, and he just wants to set his son up to go off living the same person all the time. Same person all the time. So you see the very heart of God. It pleased him that in him, that in that body, that in that husband, that in that attribute and in that vehicle should all the fullness dwell. And we mentioned this on Sunday, what the type of the stabbing him in the, the side was for. It was to pull you out. It was to stab water and blood poured out and poured out upon the earth. Again, seed. Again, life. Again, a type. Again, that spirit of, that, of, of her being separated. Awfulness. Awfulness. You realize the magnitude of that statement? You're a part of that fullness. Again, identified in him, you're a part of that same fullness. It's not coincidentally that all things and all fullness should dwell. No, it was him and her. Just the same type of Adam with Eve still being in him until she was separated. Exact same type. The scripture over and over. First Adam, second Adam, first Adam, second Adam, first Adam, second Adam. I read that Sunday, not after the similitude of Adam's transgression is the free gift, but this free gift is so much different than that mark of sin and curse. It was not just redemption, but to bring forth his bride, his wife. Of course you're identified in him. You are literally flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, most importantly, spirit of his spirit. Identified in him. <laughs> and having made peace, what a wonderful thing. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. No longer an enemy. No longer his enemy. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. Unto himself. Reconciling. The paradox that God could take sin. That God could take a curse. That God could become death. To kill death. That God could become a, a, a place for that bee to sting in and it would be such a vessel that it would rip the stinger of death right out of bee. Rip the stinger right out. And I not mean anything to anybody. Remember Paul had said, death is swallowed up by victory. He said, grave, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? But praise be to God who gives us the victory that he took this in himself for you. Now, it's so easy to allot that at a later date, to push that off till the day you would think that you would leave this world in flesh, that you maybe would go to sleep. And It's very easy. Okay, yeah, when I die there, I don't have to go to hell. I ain't got to go to paradise. I go straight in the bosom of him. I go straight in the other dimension. See, that's only one part of it. 
Yes, you have that promise if you fall asleep. First Thessalonians 4, if you fall asleep, you have that promise. You go there. You will not hinder nor prevent them that sleep, us that remain. He's still tracking me. But the other part of in your very life right now, in your very flesh right now, in your spirit right now, the Ephesians says, you have he quickened. You have he quickened. That's an exact similar type to where them chunking that one Hebrew on the bones of Elisha. On the bones of Elisha. Now, you weren't dead in the physical sleeping sins. You were dead in sin and trespasses. You were dead through being alone. You were dead through being alone. Not just through sin and trespasses. Yes, you were that. Yes, you were dead because you were loved the things of this world. Yes, you were dead because you were his enemy. But you were dead because you were alone. You do not have the life. You do not have the light. You cannot have the light because he is the light. He alone is the light. Everything else is a spinoff of him. Everything else is a He alone. He alone. But he did not want you to be alone. He said, I'll draw all men unto me. Having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. In the body. And again, Sunday was Easter, but I still got a little Easter left in me. In the body, in the promise, in the propitiation, in the atonement, in the very prescribed and designed flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were in him. You were in him, and you were separated at the cross. But remember, redemption has two parts. It has two parts. Because you must be quickened, and you also must be made alive. You must be quickened and you must be made alive. You're not alive without being pulled back into him. There's no life outside of him. There is no life outside of him. You were a shell. You were walking around. But when you come back across him, once you once come back across that presence of the Lord in your life, oh, now I'm free. Now I'm really alive. Now I can be quickened. Now I know I'm his. I know I'm his. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, again italicized, who is who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then shall you appear. You appear. What manner of man ought you to be? 
Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. What manner of man ought you to be? Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, you can take with what your heart and your mind remembers of the scriptures. You can think of the scriptures that says it just like this. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you power. John says that whoever is born of God is love because he is love. And you do not fear 366 times throughout the New Testament. God said, do not fear, be not afraid. You understand what God is telling you. And the only way this is done is with him in you. Because without him, you're scared as can be. You're full of fear because look at your enemy outside. But again, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who could be against us? <coughs> Excuse me. But be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace according to his own purpose and grace. And we, we shared that again with you on Sunday. God's purpose, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Do I clear this up? Christ's mystery. God's purpose before the world began. But is now, right now, this day that you're living in, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. All scripture has two phone beating. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior in Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. There's only been four of the raptures before now. But they were in small scale. They were a precursor. They were a ramp up. I don't know how many were in paradise when he went and got them. I don't know how many of those other, because he said the saints of old was the third uh, rapture in the Old Testament, and then he was the reverse rapture of the New Testament. But So I don't know how many was there. You pick a number, you can figure it out, no big deal. The point of it being, never been a day that death was brought down like this day. The seal to the day of your redemption is now. The seal, you're sealed to the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the day of your redemption. That day is now. This is not just as many others would be that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that you would receive that new life, that new birth in Christ, that you literally, in that kind of a translation, become the kingdom of God. You become the kingdom of God when you receive the new birth because you're a citizen of that kingdom through the new birth. And it's not just to those that one day you'll be sealed into that day. That's this day. And that's identifying what God has done in this day. Identified to what God has done in this day. Everything must be backed up by the scripture. Everything. But it's now made manifest. Right now made manifest. Do you believe that tonight? Right now being made manifest. See, by their fruits you'll know them. He has brought life and immortality to light. He hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the life, death, and burial, 
and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's brought light and life. Redemption has two parts. Now, because the light of the tribe of Judah has stepped forward, now death will be swallowed up in victory. Now death is swallowed up in victory. What a beautiful day to be living in. <laughs> what a beautiful day. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians. That's just back one book. Or, oh, it's right. Just back one book. 2 Thessalonians, verse 2. Chapter 2, I'm sorry. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We beseech you. We, we, we grab your attention. We want you to, 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 to pay attention and focus and listen. We beseech you by this, what God is doing. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our, by our gathering together unto him. By our gathering together unto him. Now this right here is Luke 17.30. This is Matthew, 24, Matthew 25. Where will they be gathered to? Where will they be gathered to? Wherever the carcass, wherever the body, wherever the meat of the revealed Son of Man is, that's where they'll be gathered to. That's where they'll be hid away in, in him hid away in him, by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, we just cover that, not in fear, not in doubt, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter is from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ. This day. Your day. We say it all the time, John was brought forward into your day. In your day, in the day of the Lord. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. Any means. Now, the weapon might be formed, but it won't prosper. It might be formed. Satan will always try to deceive you. Satan, just because the Lord Jesus made that statement that it'd be so close to the end time and that the very elect would not be deceived. He didn't say that and Satan's like, throw my hands up. Okay, you're right. Okay, I give up. I won't try. No, so he'll take it as a personal challenge. Oh, I'll throw everything at you. I'll throw everything at you. I'm going to take every second of your day. Every second of your day. Me and Aaron and Levi was talking Saturday morning about what the Bible says. David would tell you, I keep the Lord Jesus, I keep God, Elohim, always before my face. Always before my face. Satan's always desired to be like the Most High. Always has. Now in this day, And what's terrible is this has a, little, a lot of good qualities. Has a lot of good qualities. And, and I'm telling you because I'm just as guilty. I, I was talking today that I'll have times that I'll get to watching a truck video about some motors or a truck or something like that. And an hour will go by. An hour will go by and I'll get up feeling as sick and as weak and defeated as anything you'd ever imagine. Just as if I was looking at something I wasn't supposed to be looking at. But there are a lot of good things on it. The Bible app's a good thing. The table app, the Lifeline app, our daily strand. Uh, you, on YouTube, you can listen to so many different sermons. Every one of Brother Brown's is on there. So many other good ones. And that is the better balance. Satan don't want you to have that balance. He don't want you to have that balance. No, no, watch this for a minute, then go over to that. And it don't matter if it's that, or if it's this, or if it's your radio. Any of those things, Satan's always trying to deceive you at all times. Because those things open up an avenue that he can get in and put a foul spirit on you.
put an unclean, foul spirit on you and you felt its effects. After that, have you ever said, you know what, I feel more encouraged and on fire for God than I've ever had before. Where's some demons at? No, you're like, I pray they don't come this way. You're meant to be more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. You're meant to walk out there when, when one of these demons attacks your brothers or sisters or your family or someone you know, where is that uncircumcised Philistine? I'll take his head off. No fear. No fear. But Satan tried to deceive you. Watch this for a minute. Look at this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. Forget about that for a minute. Then he's got you. But God has grace. God has grace. God, I, I swear to you tonight, God has grace and mercy. He has grace and mercy. And he will redeem you from that. And you will be changed from that. But like any addiction, you'll have to be weaned. Like any addiction. That Malachi talking about growing up and being raised as calves in the stall. You're weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast so that you can eat meat, yes. But it's not always an enjoyable experience. But there's always something better. God doesn't take that from you and say, here, let me have those beautiful things of flowers. I've got a big old vat full of poison to give you. Let me steal your eternal life and I'm going to give you a life wreckful. You'll be hated and then I'll finally send you to hell when you're done. That's not what God does. It's not what God does. <laughs> Where are we at? Verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Any means. Uh, is it in Corinthians? Get my scriptures right. Where it said that, um, be not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. Be not ignorant concerning his devices. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, if you believe in coincidences, they didn't have devices back then. They got devices now. Different use of the word, I agree, but that's kind of coincidence. See that device? But it's just something the devil uses. Again, devil. I heard a brother, brother Aaron Oglesby, had told me a quote a few years ago that I never knew was there, and then I went and looked it up. Brother Branham had said that if Satan can't keep you from the middle of the road, from the truth, from something good, he'll try to push you off the edge with it. There must always be a balance. There must always be a balance. Uh, you think about the, the spirit and truth that that you don't fly with one wing. You don't fly with all spirit. You don't fly with all truth. You must have both because God is spirit and truth. I know a lot of people say, well, we have the truth and God don't do that stuff no more. Nah, you ain't going to find. See, this is the truth. This is where the truth is. And then the message is where the truth is. And they don't say that. The truth always witnesses what the spirit says and what the spirit does. It's always a witness and a testifying between the two. But he says, let not man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, the man of sin, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that, showing who? Himself, that he is God. He's not fooling God. He's not fooling the two-thirds of the angels that didn't fall. They know he's not that. Even his minions that fell with him know he ain't God. They remember God. He ain't nothing like them. They know for a fact that Satan hates them. They know for a fact Lucifer hates them and will destroy them any chance he got if he didn't have a need for them. They know that because that's Satan's heart. He don't have, I got a soft place in my heart for these fallen angels with it fell with me. No, Satan is all hate. 
Satan is all death, and he wants to destroy any one of them. No different than if he gets those other people's souls. He's going to take those souls straight to hell. He's not taking those souls away from God to say, I've got a little bit better heaven. God's heaven's about right here. I'm going to put you about over here, and you'll live for two eternities, and you'll be in perfect health, all, you know, everything. No, no, it's down you go. Down you go. Showing himself that he's God. He's, he's lying to himself. It just starts with, let no man deceive you, and Satan's already deceived himself. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. See, I love that scripture. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's two different he's right there. There's one that's got it all in control. That's got everything still in his hand. That is perfectly ticking on time. And there's another one that's got a ticker in his ear. And it's speeding up. The more you believe, the more your life surrenders, the more you're manifested, the more you're of God it's expressed, that ticker speeds up on him and he can almost smell the flames. Oh no, I was just me. I'm just little old me. I'm the lowest of all believers. I'm the weakest of all Christians. Well, our prophet said when you go to your knees, every single demon in hell gets very scared. What does it happen when a powerhouse of the Holy Ghost that believes his word goes to their knees? What happens then? The prophet would say, you get to a place where Satan throws his hands up. I don't even know what to do with him. I don't even know what to do with him. I don't even know what to do with him. I'm looking forward to that. Oh my goodness, I'm looking forward to that. You wake up and Satan's just groaning. He starts groaning and he's moaning and whining and complaining. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness, had pleasure in it. Pleasure in it. What a horrible thing. Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. Trying to get to a place that we can close. I know it's hot here tonight, and I, I apologize. I know it's not the most conducive, but I pray the Lord has fed your soul and encouraged you tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> for what thanks? What thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. I believe Paul was a prophet. I believe the church ages begun with a prophet and ended with a prophet. I believe the other men were reformers and messengers. But I believe Paul was a prophet. Paul even made that statement about three and a half years ago, 14 years ago. I knew a man that was taken up into the third heaven and, and this, this, and this, and this, and this. That was Paul. That was Paul. He said, in things that could not be uttered. 
See, John told us of things that he could utter. John told us about seeing you. John told us about the shout. He told us about the voice. He told us about the trump. He told us about all those things. But Paul was not permitted to write it as freely as, as, Paul, as John was. But can you imagine what it meant for someone who's standing there on that side of the church ages? At that, it just had the, the price was given. The lamb had given his life. And he's standing here now with that revelation, taking the word of God and looking down your way towards your way. And you think about the Lord Jesus in the garden praying for you in the garden of Gethsemane. You understand that? In the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying for you. The prophet told us that. That even Paul, even as he says this right here, he's thinking about this, thinking about you. He says, I'm thinking about you. What thanks can we render to God again for you? You are the fulfillment of what he saw, of what he preached. And you understand the beauty of such a thing, of a comfort. Uh, but there's so much discouragement that went with Paul's life, even to the point where they took his head at the very end. But the discouragement that even in uh, being the, the messengers of the Ephesian church age, the Ephesian church had 12 to 15 people in it. And it's not about numbers, but this is the most beautiful thing that this world's ever seen. That is this treasure in earthen vessels and only 13 people wanted it. 15 people wanted it. Can you imagine the weight of discouragement that went with that? He said, I I've got eternal life here. I'm handing it out, eternal life. I shared that with you here, I think, last Wednesday. Brother Bradham said that if, if, if it got out, that oh, that was two Sundays ago. If it got out that we had something here that was eternal life, some kind of bread, some kind of wine, some kind of elixir, something like that. He said, you could not keep people away from here. You could set armies up, and they will fight through every army they could to get in here to get to that. Get in here to get to that. But you have eternal life. You're here to give out eternal life. You're here to minister that eternal life. The message that day on Calvary, Brother Ram was talking about greater works that you'll do. He said that word was translated wrong. He said it wasn't greater, it was more. It was meant to be more. He said, but the greater works that you'll do is the ability to impart eternal life. Not immortal life. There's a difference between immortal and eternal. Immortal can end. It might be a thousand, five thousand years, but it can end. Eternal life has no beginning or ending. He said that what thanks can we render to God again for you? God has spoke to him all of these prophecies, all of these things, and he's looking at it here in seed form. And God in his mercy, through the eyes of revelation, says, look that way. 2023, Bentley, Kansas. The word is coming forth that you've preached in your day all these years later, and there's a heart sitting in that room that believe it and say, that is thus saith the Lord. That is what I've always believed. That's what I've always longed for. Always longed for. He said, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. See your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Don't that sound like Brother Branham, he's seen the preview of the bride and, and those last few was coming through with the bride. They start to stumble and a little bit get a little stumbly in their wall. And he said, I come to myself screaming out, stay in line. Stay in line. You think Paul didn't get to see something like that? He said that I might be able to help you and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. I think it was well done. 
2,000 years, he directed his way unto you. And just the paradox alone that this thing still exists. It's been tried to be stomped out. It's been tried to be burned. Hundreds and thousands of these have been burned. And, and, and all the things they've tried to lie about and change. And yet still, God brought it to you. He directed it to you. Because the prophecy is only one part. There's got to be someone that believes the prophecy. And here we are. He said, in the Lord, verse 12, make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Let's have our musicians come tonight and we can stand to our feet. Can you imagine being on that side? I, I, I think about John all the time. John being brought forward into our day, being able to see what God is doing in our day. He is the one that wrote down Revelations 10.1, and I saw another mighty angel come down. Can you imagine being able to record all those things? And at the end of that, Revelation chapter 22, after having William Branham telling these things, that same seventh angel messenger telling him, I'm of thy servants, the prophets. These things, these things, these things. And at the end of it, John, you got to go back. Set in your day, John. you got to go back. Can you imagine the fervor in his heart? The fervor and the desire and the passion in his heart to where it was said of him, the most powerful thing said of him, even as an old man would raise himself up and say, little children, above all else, love one another. I think of the same thing with Paul and what God allowed Paul to see. These are prophets. These are prophets. God has mercy. You understand, you agree, God has mercy. There's been things God has let you see unanswers and let you come to an understanding of things that, that otherwise you might have been torn out of pieces, not having a clue of something. You might have been torn out, knotted up. Lord, I don't know this and I don't know this. And God in his supreme divine mercy let you have a glimpse. And I'm talking to you about a prophet 2,000 years ago that saw you right now, that saw you manifested, that saw you just as Job was talked about before the foundation of the world, saw you being expressed to your Savior. And here we are tonight. Here we are tonight. So when the Bible says that all creation has been groaning and travailing, waiting for you to be adopted and manifest, here we are tonight. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers here in the sky. Oh, we've been made
Sing it again. Oh, I I'm in Peace Let's bow our heads tonight. Great and mighty God, Captain of our salvation, Lord of lords, my King, my husband, Lord Jesus, what a day that we live in. What a time. All that's been stacked up, all that's been stacked up all throughout history, all that's been prepared for this day, Lord, for this rapture, for this translation, for this bride, for this part of you to be expressed in this day. The prophet had told us that you didn't finish everything in your earthly ministry, that you left a work for us to do. You said that we have your word and you, we know what you want done with us. You said that we have your potentials. Your prophet said that in our day, the full maturity of the word has turned back again. Oh, what a mighty God you are. What a mighty redeemer. What a mighty restorer. It's not just to be bought by your blood. It's not just to be forgiven for our sins and washed in your blood, but but there, there's, there's such a great part of you holding us and you keeping us, ensuring that we won't fall. Maybe in our flesh, maybe we got discouraged a long time ago that you were there keeping us and holding us. Lord, you have a promise. You have a word spoken, and that word is creative. And no matter what comes, no matter what, what, whatever happens, Lord, that word will hold us to the day of our translation. We have seen in this little assembly how Satan comes in like a flood. Every single witch, tiniest, strangest way that we might never would have imagined, but yet he still comes in to attack, to afflict, to try to stress, to try to discourage, to try to tear down. Yet here you are, guaranteeing it won't happen. Lord, how we thank you tonight. We are nothing on our own. We cannot stand on our own. This is you, Lord. Lord, this is what the work that you have done, and we declare it to be marvelous, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the things you do for us every day. We bless your name tonight, and we're not going to forget your benefits, Lord. There's so many benefits that comes to serving you. There's so many benefits that comes in believing you, Lord. Your word says that signs and wonders will follow, that goodness and mercy will follow. All the days of our life, Lord, we're not worthy of this, yet here we stand recipients of this. And we again say thank you, Jesus. I pray tonight that you'll bless my brothers and sisters, that you'll help them as they go their separate ways, that you'll help them in their walk with you, Lord, that you'll pull them up close to your side and whisper your sweet words in their ear and make us more like you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for this body of believers. Thank you for this uh, precious faith that we, we fellowship around and we commune with, Lord. We most importantly want to say thank you, Lord, for your presence here. All of these things don't mean anything without your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here present in this day 
to reveal yourself, to make all these secrets known, to dress a bride for your rapture, for your caught away, for your translation. We appreciate your mercy and thank you for all you do. Lord, what a mighty God you are. Lord, your word still burns our hearts. Your presence is still pulsating tonight. Lord, I pray if there be anyone here tonight has a need, you, the word, are here to meet that need. Lord, you're still the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You still go down as deep as you need to go down. If it's something in our body, if it's something in our spirit, if it's something in our soul, the prophet would say that you're the specialist on the job, Lord. We love you so much. And I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful work you're doing in our midst, Lord. Yes, the enemy come in like a flood, but you're still proving that you raise a standard, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you with our whole hearts. Pray you be with us as we go our separate ways. And we'll be sure, Lord, to give you all the glory and honor and praise to you, the only one worthy, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Can I thank you for your love? Oh, it's all about your grace, Lord. Oh, it's consumed me like a fire. And through the trial you have me. You break down the hell of love. You fill my blood. I owe my every prayer. In that prison, all your peace is over me, and through the trial you have me, you raise the standard of the flood, you held the flood. I owe my every breath, the Lord, for all that you have. Let's sing that one more time. Oh, I thank you for my healing. Oh, my soul is now set free. And I'm no longer in that prison. For your peace is over me. And through the trial you have 
Lord, you raise the standard held the blood. You held the fuck. I owe my every breath. Do you owe your every breath? I thank you for your mercy. See, I thank you for your mercy. Just sing it with all your hearts. I thank you for your love. Oh, all about your grace, Lord. And it's consuming love, like a flood. And through the trial you have me. You raise the standard of love. I owe my every breath. Oh, all that you have. And through the trial. And through the trial you have brought me. You held the floor. I owe my every breath. Oh, thank you. You deserve the glory and the honor. Oh, yes, the honor. Lord, I lift my hand in worship. Oh, as I magnify your name. Oh, you deserve the glory. Oh, and the honor. Oh, Lord, I lift my hands in worship. As we magnify, as I magnify your name. For you are great, oh, for you to me, for you oh, there is no one else, there's no one else like you, oh, and there is no one else like you, for you are can you do And there is no one you. Oh, there is no one you. Sing, you deserve, you deserve, 
You deserve all the glory. Oh, and the honor. Lord, we lift. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. Oh, as I magnify your name. Oh, you deserve the glory. Oh, and the honor. Oh, Lord, I lift my hands. Let's lift our hands to him. Let's praise him tonight as we magnify your name. For you are great, and you do so great, and there is no one else like you. Oh, and there is no one else like you. For you and you do me the and there is no like you there is no one else and we receive it right now, Lord. For your word, this is the proof of what your word is. Your word is true, Lord. You are here now to confirm and vindicate your word. So I say this through the authority of your word. By your stripes, Lord Jesus, came to land and say, We receive this, Lord. Say thank you. Touch his back, and he would make it. I believe. Still. It's a blessing. Oh, praise the Lord! Hallelujah! I'm free. I'm free. I'm Oh, praise the Lord, I'm free, no longer doubt, there's no more chains holding me, my soul is resting, it's such a blessing, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm free, Oh, praise the Lord, I'm free, I'm old, I'm about, there's no more chains holding me, my soul is resting, it's just a blessing, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, Praise the Lord, thank you, 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 Lord, 
It's a hit. It's not so Close your eyes, bow your heads. That same pillar of fire that is on that picture of my right is in this room right now. It is moving right here above my head. Whatever need you have, you ask Him right now and you believe that He'll answer it. You ain't going to get no closer to Him than all you are right now. Ask Him. Just like Hattie Rice sitting in the room that day, what do you need? He promised to supply your needs. If you're needing a closer walk with the Lord, He promised to supply that. If you're needing a touch in your body, He promises to supply that. There is nothing that's impossible for our God. What do you need right now? He'll meet that need. You purpose in your heart right now, whatever your request is, and you grab hold with a heart full of faith. I preach the living Word to you tonight. I have preached from an open book, the revealed Son of Man. There has never been a better opportunity to get your request answered than in His presence. So what do you need? You focus in on it right now. You feel Him pulsating to you, don't you? Let your heart say, Lord, I ask. And He'll answer, be it unto thee. Focus in right now. You lock in real good and hard. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. Every fiber of my body and my spirit and my soul is crying out that you're here, Lord Jesus. Lord, the presence you're in this room is so thick right now. Lord, don't let us leave here, Lord, without getting what we came for. Every person in this room, me mostly, must have a closer walk with you, Lord. I must surrender more of me. I must die out of more of me so that you might live, Lord Jesus. Lord, we bind our faith together. We bear one another's burdens. We lift them up to you, Lord. And we say, just like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. Have your way just now, Lord. Have your way right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as I'm standing here, I'm crying out for Jesse Vigil. I claim him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I claim his family in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind my faith together and say, Satan, get your hands off. Satan, you're defeated. Lord, I stand here and I claim my mama right now. I claim that the healer will lay his hands on her and make her completely whole. 
that he'll take his nail-scarred hands and touch my mom right now and she'll be made completely whole. That's what's available. Complete restoration. Your prophet said we're coming into an hour, into a day, into a faith where limbs will be restored, where the dead will be raised, where blind will see and death will hear. That's what this word brings manifest, that you're real and you're still the same Jesus. Lord, vindicate your word right now. Declaim it, Lord God. For each one of my brothers and sisters standing here, Lord, I claim a closer walk for them. I claim a life more surrendered to them. I claim a life more dedicated and consecrated for them, Lord, to you, Jesus. Have mercy on this body, Lord. Have mercy on this building, this people, this group, Lord. We love you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. your peace for this people. I claim your joy for this people. I claim your love for this people. I claim forgiveness and unity amongst our brothers and our sisters. I claim a shored up of faith where Satan will have no traction against any one of us, Lord Jesus. I claim that right now for my brothers and sisters. I speak life, Lord God. Satan, you're done. State you're done. You're defeated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your hands off. I need I take him now. Him now, Jesus is all I in the third verse. Oh, worship Him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. I worship him. He's all I need. Oh, he's all 
Just like that to him again. He was crude. He shed his blood for you and for me. It was for me that he died. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For and that is why I know that loves me so. For Jesus is all. Sing, he's on it one more time. He's all. I need all I need. Oh, he's the rest is all I need. He's all I need. Is all I need. Oh, Jesus is all. Amen. I bless you. You are dismissed tonight. Sing that again. Is all I need. Is all. Oh, 
Oh, Lord, I need you. 